M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. Is there something you know that we don't know? Is someone coming for our pussy? This is Emsolation. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever said. Oh, I didn't think of that. Fuck, that's what I've been getting wrong. And just remember, if it's too fatty, just heat it up. You're in Emsolation. If that's not in a promo somewhere, I don't want to live anymore. Hello, welcome to Emsolation. Uh, look, if you're following me on social media, you may know... Uh, that I've done my ankle. I'm not sure how badly I've done it. Can't put any weight on it. Elio was about to fall down the stairs, so I ran down the stairs to stop him from falling down the stairs, and then I fell down the stairs. But I did manage to, like, like em- envelop his entire body with mine. So I hit the ground, unfortunately, at a really bad angle on my foot, um, and it's oh, it's very sooky. I cried on the ground. <laughs> not, not a great look for me. Spent the weekend on the couch and I can already tell my family is sick of looking after me, you know, which makes like, I've spent a lifetime. Do you notice that? I think I've looked after them too well. I can see them rolling their eyes when I ask them for another drink of water. <laughs> it's the worst though. I can't do anything. And you know that I'm a chronic doer. But I did kind of spend the weekend watching an amazing show, which Michael and I are going to touch on, Pen15, uh, which has inspired me to tell the most truly horrific thing that happened to me during high school that I've never told, I've never said it in stand-up, I didn't write it in my book, but watching this show has given me the confidence to share this horrific story. (laughs) You'll hear that. But, uh, yeah, I'm I'm all right. Look, you know, it's just, I'm just a bit. I had had terrible PMS on Friday. My PMS is so bad that I'm thinking about maybe, I don't know, I'm honestly considering a hysterectomy, something, because I'm not going to have any more kids and I'm, I'm going to look into my options because I was just at my wits and like Michael got a midnight call. It was not good. Text messages, supportive text messages, everything was upsetting me. I was taking everything as a personal attack. <laughs> and I, I, we don't talk about it enough. And I want to think back to how many fights I've had and bad decisions I've made because I wasn't really in touch with my hormones at that point in time. I didn't realise that I was not in a good place to be making decisions because I had such bad PMS. And I've only realised just how much my PMS has affected things in my life and my relationships and my job. I mean, don't get me wrong, there are sometimes where I was behaving like a dickhead, but I think the dickheadedness was heightened by my irrational hormones. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But I am going to the doctors today. I'm going to get a proper diagnosis and because I was really getting into my running, you guys. I was really enjoying it. And now I don't know what I'm going to do to exercise. Just do some single leg squats or something. So Scott said do some push-ups. It doesn't help. But thank you. Obviously, look, we're going well. Cases were only at five today. And Dan had some easing of restrictions. I mean, I'm really happy for you if you've got primary school aged kids. God, you must be feeling so relieved. I get it. I, I And I'm happy for you. Odette's in year eight, so she may not get to go back this term. We're waiting to see God. I hope she does. She misses her friends so much. But um, yeah, so we, we could be maybe looking at the last hopefully three weeks of these hardcore measures and then back to something more COVID normal. That's a new thing, COVID normal. I'm going to make this intro super short because, God, it's a longie today, you'll see, on the runtime. So much has happened in the world of politics, Australian politics, US politics, and then I'm going to tell this tale from high school that it will take a while to get through. So I just wanted to get straight to it. 
I also wanted to let you know that my Drunk Histories episode has been moved to next Monday night, the 5th of October. It was meant to be on the last Monday night, but if you tuned in to watch, I wasn't there. I apologise for that. I didn't know. Channel 10 changed the schedule and they didn't let me know. Whatever. Why is that important? It's fine. I'm fine, guys. So, yeah, that'll be on next Monday night, I'm told, October 5th, but I will still be on the project on Thursday night. All right, let's get straight into it because, Jesus, there's a lot coming for you, okay? I know I say that every time, but there really is this time. All right, play the music. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. Oh, my God, it's another explosion. Like, I've had to stop us having a conversation before <laughs> this started because there's so much to talk about. Michael Lucas, welcome. Oh, thank you. Oh, just take a deep breath. This is the second time. <laughs> I know. It begins with a torrent. It's like a dam bursting. But, I mean, it was a hell of a weekend of, of political news in particular, so it makes Jesus sense. Jesus Christ. There's so much to get through. I mean, and I spent so much of it on the couch because obviously I've done my ankle. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. So I had to sit on the couch and just, I just consumed everything all weekend. And obviously the text messages were flying between us. We have so much to talk about. Obviously the first thing, and all of Amsolation listeners have contacted us on various platforms saying, oh my God, Jenny McCarkis. Jenny. We were there with her on the dark night when she did the drunk texting and I think she might have had a darker night since then. <laughs> I think she did. I was, I'm not going to lie, like I had alerts on her Twitter when, <laughs> for the weekend because I was like if there's, if there's a weekend where Jen's going to have a little Pinot and a little bit of a purge, this could happen. <laughs> a Pinot and a purge could happen. Macarcus let us down though. But, you know, I mean, obviously she had a pretty, oh, let's say contentious tenure and especially during the Rona because – if you recall, the first time I really became properly aware of Macarcus was when she criticised Missy Higgins's dad. That's right. Yes. <laughs> Burst to attention. It was a hard one because she went the big, the big tough move. I cannot believe that someone would show symptoms. And tell you what, doctors slammed her down. That really, they were not Doctor, happy with that. Well, Doctor Missy Higgins's dad slammed her down. Like, Mr. oh, Mickey but he was backed up. He was backed up. Oh, hundred percent. And he was right. And he's like, um, excuse me, lady, I didn't meet your criteria for testing. I just had a little bit of a sniffle, so mm. can you just back off? But specifically naming him too was pretty shitty. But, yeah, the Healthcare Workers Union just last week called her breathtakingly incompetent. Oh, <laughs> I know. Shit. And they, when they heard about her quitting, they, the Healthcare Workers Union tweeted, Macarcus resignation, welcome. We hope to engage with a new health minister to put a stop to bizarre decisions to contract out public hospital cleaners and other non-clinical workers during a pandemic and replacing them with dodgy outsourcing firms. They made it clear where they stand. They'd taken a leaf out of the Emrasiano book of <laughs> communicating their thoughts. Well, I, I think they had a penal and a purge. Jesus Christ. But also that run of she did her testimony, said she didn't remember, had oh, no knowledge Joel. of anything, and then unfortunately there was a film press conference the month beforehand where security mm. guards were openly talked about and that was mm. all over the news. And then to sit there, mm. oh, man, and see Dan's testimony when well, just... Well, let's take it back. Let's oh, take it back because okay. people might not be as au fait as us. <laughs> and that's so, probably healthy. <laughs> We just Probably. want to say, if you don't know all the details of this, it's because you've got good life balance that we lack. <laughs> so Dan in the inquiry said that after a meeting on April 8th, Jen was put in charge of hotel quarantine, right? 
And then Jen's like, um, Sosboz, no, I wasn't actually aware that you guys were outsourcing the uh, security staff until May. And then everyone's like, um, Jen, <laughs> this was spoken about at the end of March at a presser you were at. Maybe Jen was tweeting. Maybe she was like not paying attention and missed the whole memo on private security guards taking over Hotel Conji. Maybe, standing at that. But it's so unfortunate, though, because they've got footage of that press conference and the guy's sort of talking about it, and then she just literally steps right up and takes the microphone right afterwards. So, I yeah, mean, she, she wasn't listening. She was pepping herself up. You know, before you, before you do a performance, you, like, zone in on your own stuff. Like, maybe she just wasn't listening. I do not know who made that decision. Look, I have an enormous amount of sympathy for just saying, I don't know how, I just missed it. I just missed it. I just I don't understand what happened. But yeah. I, oh, <laughs> thankfully, so, in my case, me missing yeah. it hasn't ended in a oh, hasn't shit. ended in a huge lockdown for a state and over seven hundred deaths is really terrible. It's not good. And so Dan has obviously said all this stuff. Is like, look, she she knew, and Jenny has resigned off the back of that. Really pissed off with his evidence, and also saying that he threw her under the bus. Um, she doesn't want to leave the job unfinished, guys, but the fact that there are elements in it that I strongly disagree with, I believe that I cannot continue to serve in his cabinet. My integrity is in question. Oh, and then and then that also when she resigned as well, apparently she rang him unanswered, so she just sent a text <laughs> message, which I don't think he responded to. No, I mean, just brutal. And this is like she's been in Parliament since the late 90s, hasn't she? Yeah. Yeah, she, you know that she first she grew up in Northcote. Yeah, and she yeah, and she like she was the youngest person elected to the Northcote Council, which doesn't exist anymore. Like she's been around forever. Politics is her legitimate life. But the thing that I mean, we have so much talk about those text messages. Oh my god, and Dan's press conference on Sunday. Oh my god. But the thing that gets me is the, the statement: "I've never shirked my responsibility for my department." but it's not my responsibility alone. Like she's just contradicted herself in one <laughs> sentence. It's almost like there's a responsibility pie and every person's only happy to eat one piece of the pie, but no one is willing to step up and go, oh, I'm going to take the whole pie. The whole responsibility pie is mine. I'm going to I'm going to I mean, eat. if that, there's a few people going, I, I actually genuinely didn't think we were eating pie. I just didn't. I thought something I else was, was on the pie. menu altogether. I didn't even know. What's a pie? I don't even know what pies are. Can someone explain me what a pie is? The whole thing for me, and I'm going to state this and maybe this is wrong and maybe I'm the only one who feels this way, I actually don't give a fuck about the one person who rubber stamped this. I don't care about all this money and time and resources they are wasting on trying to find the one person who rubber stamped it and no one's willing to do it. I believe that it was many people. And I think the many people all know this and so they know that the, with this witch hunt or whatever's going on for this one supposed person who went, yep, let's use bloody private security. I don't think that person exists, Michael. And I no, think well, knows it. and at the end of the day as well, I mean, New South Wales has also had infected security guards. Oh it was my also God. the contact, like it was a whole lot of shit had to go wrong. But it has turned into this weird, you know, we will pin it on the one person who yeah. we can say, yeah, which feels a bit sort of false. Don't you think if the majority of Victorians were surveyed, they'd be like, yeah, I don't want you to waste millions of my money on that inquiry? Like, you fucked up. All of you fucked up. Just own it. I like feel like most parents would say, just fucking make sure you've fixed it. <laughs> Whatever. Just Same. fix it. Don't let it happen again, dickheads. Honestly, all of this desperate finger pointing and wanting to, oh, fuck off. Like if you're listening and, oh, I did get a message from Kath Andrews, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> How quickly your tone changed. At one point you were like the judge running the inquiry. Look, fuck off, all of you. 
and then, and then, oh, I got a message I from. I did. <laughs> yes. Dan Andrews's wife, she heard our podcast last week and um, thanked us for being, you know, so kind to her and also thanked me for picking a flattering shot of her to post in our social media. So that's all. That's it. That's nothing. <laughs> we need to declare we will still run the unbiased 100%. commentary that you have come to expect. Totally unbiased. Old uh, O'Brien, is that his name, Michael O'Brien? Yeah, you can never, this, we have been in this lockdown for so long. He comes out every single day and you've never (laughs) remembered his name. Yeah, but all he does is just complain. I would have more respect for him if he, well, didn't look like a cast member of Lord of the Rings, but that aside, also gave me an alternative. All right, you're going to shit on what Labor are doing. What's li- what are the Liberals offering up? He hasn't given us one alternative. Oh, it's also the sense that every time he gets a soundbite, he's really rehearsed like the line he wants to give. So he's and he's pretty proud of it. It comes out going, you know, <laughs> the toxic disaster isn't the disease. It's Labor's lies and and you can feel that kind of pride that that took him 45 minutes. I don't know. I just, I really just want to categorically state to anyone listening for the Labor Party, I don't care. Just get on with it. Get on with it. We did have a few easing of restrictions to all our Melbourne listeners. Congratulations. My husband can now go riding past 9pm. <laughs> Unfortunately, none of them really impact you. None of, them. none of them impact me, but I'm happy for everyone who has primary school aged kids. I know that if you were trying to work from home and school your kids, if your your school wasn't offering a remote learning program, like the real, I have been in the situation where I'm not quite sure what's happening with the childcare and I have work on and I need to work to support the family and that breathtaking fear of what the fuck am I going to do with my kids is something, it's something I'm very intimately acquainted with. So I know that so many people would have heard this news and gone, oh, yes. my God. And women, especially women, There's, there was this study that showed a high percentage of women were considering having to quit their careers to support their kids' online learning if this didn't come to an end soon. So, you know, this pandemic is really adversely affecting women, especially. Mm. So I think that this is great news. So well, that's well good. Done. And very gallant yeah. for someone who, I mean, literally, you don't even have a pool within 5Ks. It did nothing <laughs> affected you. <laughs> oh, you can swim outdoors now, you shit. <laughs> It's so true. jealous. I've never will. been jealous of you being able to swim through children's wee in my life. <laughs> <laughs> now, before we – have we said everything we want to say about what's happening with Dan and Jenny? Have we missed anything? Oh, yeah, I think so. I mean, ultimately, you know, I, I, it just made me think politics is not the game for me, even though I do sit here thinking, you know what, I could do a better job than these guys. Seeing the end of someone's political career, however warranted, like that, just – Well, there is something we need to discuss, and you and I were debating it. Dan's decision to say he thought that the resignation was warranted, but not saying why. Yes, an appropriate decision. Jenny McCarkos resigned this morning. I believe that was the appropriate course of action for her to take. Why? Well, not tell you. And trust me, 15,000 million reporters asked him that question in 29 million different ways, and he battered them all off. Like there was no answering that. But I didn't think you felt like he needed to say that. I don't think he needed to say like Well, not that not that he needed. I, I felt like he wanted to frame it as though, well, that takes care of that drama then. He wanted to put a cap on it saying we had this inquiry, someone has been sacked, actions have been taken, and him saying it was appropriate is sort of a way of of doing that maybe. But he must have known he would have to have explained why he thinks it's appropriate. 
Yeah, I know. It was really frustrating. Although at the end of the day, you know, the headline just ended up being, I think it was appropriate. So he, I think he knew, he saw the quote, he saw the headline and he mm. wasn't going to give one syllable more than that and did not. I know. And I think, can I just, if any reporters listen to this, I don't know why they would, can you stop with the gotcha, like, tactics? I'm so tired of people trying to trip him up. I mean, what has happened? I just want journalists to get facts. I don't want them all to ask the same question in the hope of being the first to the poll, you know? The first to get Dan to say something or the first to get him to, like, explode. Yes, there is a bit of a culture of that. But also there's some Samantha Maiden did who in uh, on news.com did this amazing breakdown of mm. explaining why it was likely a police decision that led to it. And it was just so, such um, compelling and really oh my God. well-researched, well-thought-out. There's some really great reporting on it as well. Totally fake news. There is a lot happening at the moment with our favourite topic, which is US politics. And regular insulation listener Jamila Rizvi has requested that we do a special election edition of the podcast. So I feel bad that we can't stop talking about it, but I do think it is worth saying that in the past week to a week and a half, this is in America politics alone, we've had (sighs) RBG's death. Mm. We've had Breonna Taylor... The verdict came in, no charges yep. against the cops. No charges. We had them pass 200,000 dead in mm-hmm. the pandemic. We mm-hmm. had Trump decline mm-hmm. to uh, say that he won't accept the results of the election. We had him Unicorn nominate. Of death. Unicorn the, of death prediction, thank you. Uh, yeah, RBG's replacement and she's ultra conservative. And mm-hmm. then finally, just before we've gone to air, we haven't even been able to process it. All these tax returns have been released. This is just one little stretch of time. I don't so know much. how anyone in America keeps their sanity. Well, I mean, it's just either way there's going to be civil war. No matter what the outcome of this election, large numbers of Americans will not accept the winner and there's going to be mass unrest. Democracy is on the line. This whole system that has been much, you know, revered and and loved and and documented, the American justice, you know, the political system, democracy, democracy, it is under attack. And let me tell you, the only way that this isn't going to end, because Trump has said any electoral result in which he isn't the winner, he's going to say is rigged, right? He's categorically said that. Unless he wins, it's rigged. Yeah. Amazing strategy, first of all. Well, wow. he's going to have a legal case against it, which is going to go to the Supreme Correct. Court, which he stacked with Correct. conservatives so that he can win it. It's terrifying. Correct. It's terrifying. Correct. So the only way for this to be something peaceful and okay is if Biden wins by a fucking landslide. Like, it can be uncontestable. It has to be enormous. Mm. And, and the Democrats know that. They cannot be close in any way. Did you know that there are robocalls going out in the swing states um, dissuading people to vote early, saying that the mail system is rigged and they shouldn't trust it and you should go to the polls on the day? The, the robocalls going out in all the contested states. How is that legal? Oh, it's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. <laughs> and you know what else is the problem? Is We're not going to get the result on November 3. Oh, no. We'll, we'll be and, going through Christmas without any results. Probably. Correct. And the long wait will just give Trump time to drum up a frenzy on Twitter. He's going to go ham. Wild conspiracy theories. Can you imagine? Like, it's oh. just... <laughs> The, the amount of time he's going to have to muddy the water between the vote, you know, the results coming in and, and then being tallied is mind-blowing and terrifying. Oh, God. But we'll provide a sassy live commentary to the whole thing. Oh, my God. Let's just shift out of political gear and into puberty, yeah. shall we? What I did spend the weekend doing because I was on the couch was smashing Pen15 season one and two um, because it's a show that, Everyone I know said, Em, you have to watch this show. It, it was basically written out of your deep psyche. 
by <laughs> you will love it so much. It covers everything you've covered in your stand-up. You will deeply connect with it. And when people tell me that, I genuinely, resist. generally resist. Yes. <laughs> don't tell me what I like. You don't. You don't. And, and also there's a small creative competitive part of me that's worried it's something that I would like to do or I may steal or absorb it and then regurgitate it somewhere else unknowingly. Do you know what I mean? Do you yeah, ever have that? No, I've heard of that. I, 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 I've, I've heard of plenty. It, often if you if you speak to a writer and you recommend something and you sort of say it's so much like something you would do, yes. then that's almost you don't want to watch that. I don't. <laughs> because if it's bad, it'll annoy you. If it's good, it'll discourage yeah. you. So Correct. there's just no yep. way to win. But I'm glad. No. I'm glad that this, this one lit you up. I just want to say it lit me up. 10 out of 10 would recommend to – Oh, my God. I don't know. Anyone who has been a teenager. Seventh grade is going to be so amazing. It's going to be really, really good. It's going to be, like, the best year of our lives. Shuji, get off the well. I feel like we should make a pact. Let's, like, do everything together. Yeah, no doubt. Like, all our first together, like, our first kiss. Hey, Anna, did you? I was just looking for my disc man. If you were a cool teenager, if you were someone who kind of coasted through high school and was really popular and didn't have many problems, I don't know that we'll speak to you as loudly as it did to, to me and you who for high school. <laughs> high school was a confusing hellscape wasteland of just pubic hair and skin and blood and broken hearts and like flat out. It was. I found high school excruciating every single Unless it was like an athletics carnival. I had like one time to shine every year. Yeah, and, and it, for me, debate. The debating yeah. was my time. You were very good very at debating. Different world. You but you should explain as well. The show is is sort of written oh, and created. You explain it. You explain it. Yeah. So there are these two um, writer actresses. My, I don't know their last names, Maya and Anna. <laughs> and essentially they are in their early 30s, but they're playing themselves as um, people just entering um, middle school in America. So years seven to nine, that's middle school, isn't it? Is that middle school? Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yeah. Yeah, and so they're playing themselves at 13 in the year 2000, but everyone else around them is played by an actual teenager. Mm. And one of the most incredible things about it, for me at least, is how quickly I just stop thinking about the fact that they're 33-year-olds playing teenagers. They're so convincing in their mannerisms, everything that they do, that I just – I completely accept it. I completely accept it and didn't find anything strange about them performing with actual 13-year-olds everywhere. The only time is like if they're going to go into kiss uh, like a 15-year-old kid and they're 33-year-old women. But, but they, there's always there's either an adult standing or it doesn't happen. Like you don't have to ever worry. It never gets awkward. Mm. Um, and I've been really thinking about how they can push forward the romance. There's a little bit of a romance between Maya Ishii-Peters, Maya's character, um, and uh, Sam mm. and that kind of bubble story. And he, I looked up, is 17. So when they film season three, he'll be an adult. <laughs> so technically they'll be out of patch. you got but the countdown. The thing for – so it's um, Maya Erskine and Anna Conkle play Maya Ishii-Peters and Anna Cohn, um, the two main characters. And – Michael and I were arguing over who was Maya and who was Anna and everyone wants to be Maya. Um, but I just <laughs> – <laughs> the the show made me 
reconnect with being a teenager and it also made me feel less kind of traumatised by all the things that happened to me. I felt really seen by these two 33-year-old women paying, playing 13-, 14-year-olds oh. and, and stuff that I still realise as an adult woman I carry deep shame about. There, I mean, there is an entire episode about Maya's character discovering masturbating and, like, for me as and any woman listening, the first time you discover masturbating, it's just, like, deep shame is connected to it. Like, it's kind of this because no one – it's not your mum and dad sit you down and go, oh, you know, so there's this thing that you can do when you stimulate your clitoris and you might do it with a finger or your electric toothbrush or the side of a book or a pillow or a jet or I don't know. All do the parents ways now do this though? No, they don't. don't. They? they don't oh, talk you're about. You're on the coal face. Yeah, and it's an interesting subject, masturbation, um, especially with daughters. I think it's an easier maybe thing with sons to talk about because – I don't know. There seems to be less shame around men wanking and women masturbating. Yeah. Like, even I mean, the term- Cardi B is doing her best to change that song by song, <laughs> rap by rap. Now from the top, make a job, that's some wet ass pussy. When we were kids, American Pie and stuff like that, and it was, it was masturba- male masturbation was just totally accepted Fine. as just a joke. part yeah. of life. Now, can we just do a side caveat? Can I just do a little? Oh, okay. oh my God. Because we don't have a sponsor this week. I can do this. Did you know that wet ass pussy... Yeah. Refers to the butthole, not the vagina. You did Really? Yes. Yes. Ass pussy. Ass is the it's the anus. But cuz when they do the thing on the ground, you know the twerking? Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's the wetness of the butthole suctioning to the ground that she's referring to. I don't know why I'm whispering. Everyone's going to have to turn their <laughs> podcast up now. But she is referring not to the vagina canal, the vulva. She's referring to the bum. Like. Right. That's, well, according to my favourite Instagrammer, Luke Cook. (laughs) Oh. But, I mean, that particular hole doesn't have the self-lubrication abilities. But I think what she's. hmm. I think what she's referring to is you get the you get the juices from the front of the oh and you and then it you goes up the yeah yeah okay yeah yeah I mean I'm I just doing a mental like you me know too. going through thinking I'm does it change <laughs> the fact that I have done that dance on Instagram and I'm going to say actually just makes it more plausible. I mean, what what I'm understanding this now is that it's a literal song title. Literal. Yeah, we were just, we it's not an adjective. No. It's well, it's we thought two words were adjectives. This is the nerdiest explanation. Yes, two no, adjectives you're right. and a yeah, noun. I like where you're going. It's one yeah, adjective no. and then a noun. And a noun. Yes. Ask pussy. <laughs> but back back into gross. <laughs> No, 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 that's fine. So, so like, yeah, so, like, it's weird. So having daughters and having healthy conversations about masturbation is a strange frontier. And I admit it. I haven't crossed it. I haven't talked to them about it. We've watched things together where women are masturbating. Mm. Um, I mean, not porn. I mean, like, (laughs) you know, like, like it's like a show, a a show for teenagers or or a show, you know, where women are self-pleasuring or talking about vibrators or whatever, like, you know, weird teen things where that comes up. We've watched it together and there hasn't been like any embarrassment, I don't think, but yeah, it's a strange thing. So to watch a whole episode kind of celebrating and documenting 
a 13-year-old girl discovering masturbation, I found really freeing. I yeah. found it really, really freeing. And then there's a whole episode about a G-string. Oh, my God. Have you got to that one yet, the thong? No. Oh, I'm much earlier in this than When Maya and, Maya and Anna realise their hot girl potential if they wear a G-string <laughs> and they steal it from a friend, oh, my God, and they argue over who gets to wear it each day. It's amazing. And I remember the first time I saw one of the hot girls from our year level wearing a G-string um, and it was just like, and you know who it was too. Yeah, I certainly do. Yeah, But it also brought up a, a, an incident that happened for me that I feel brave enough to talk about now. Um, Is this because- a, a teenage incident that you can still wake up at three o'clock in the morning and feel mm-hmm. all the searing shame? Mm-hmm. But I just feel like, I'm ready to talk about it. Okay. This is from the woman who was admitted she lost Correct. her virginity in an alleyway outside an Correct. Irish pub. So Correct. this is going to be good. Go. I just want to caveat, precursor it with, I felt so much shame about my body as a teenage girl. So much shame. And I even get a bit teary thinking about how hard I was on myself. And th- there was hair all over me. I was very muscular. I didn't get boobs till I was at least 17. Like my period was a mess. It came at weird times. It was heavy. Like I I never quite got control of it. I still don't and I'm 41. It still appears as a nasty surprise every month. And I'm like, again? (laughs) Michael, I would constantly in high school have blowouts where I'd be sitting in maths and like I'd feel like my pad was obviously and it it could take no more and then I'd have this knowing I would have like a red spot on the back of my fucking white school dress and that happened more times than I care to think about. Oh. And it was mortifying. And I, mum and I didn't talk about that stuff. So I never had enough pads or tampons. Oh, I didn't even, no. I didn't know how to use a tampon. And, and I was really sweaty. And so I always felt like I smelled all the time. And I was constantly in the bathrooms with the hand dryer because our school uniforms cut under our armpits really high. And I was always trying to get the wet patches because sweat was so embarrassing. You know, oh, my God, you can't have sweat patches on your uniform if you're a girl. And I was such a sweaty, anxious, nerd, sport, like pimpled, cold sores. I always had cold sores. I was the herpy queen because I was always anxious. (laughs) It does help me to understand if I go back into my memories and I just filter over them or put in a little subtitle that says, She has explosive, unpredictable periods. It's sort of some of the sort of unease and edginess and sort of desperation in your eyes starts to make a bit more sense. Thank you. I feel really sad for her. Like I, so much of high school was desperation just from me just going, please, can I not bleed, sweat, have a big snot up my nose, have a massive herpy on my face? Can I please just have one day where I am normal and it never came. Like, it never came. And But the one thing I had at high school was I was fucking good at sport. Like, I was I was the best in the school at everything. And you you were there. You can you can concur. I am, you can support I this. I was at a very different end of the scale. <laughs> <laughs> and so my time to shine, and I, even though I was more of a land athlete, I still was very good at swimming. And um, the, the school sports swimming carnival in year eight, there was an incident that I'm going to talk about now. <sighs> She's finally ready. <laughs> She's grounded herself in your own time, Em. How did you approach swimming, house swimming carnivals? So at our school, we were in four houses like all of you and we had our own pool at our school um, and that was where the house swimming took place. A terrible little pool, as I recall. Yeah, 25 like- metres, yeah, a bit dingy, still there, still the same. How did you as a media nerd, non-sportos, curvy lady, 
approach. <laughs> Curvy lady. Uh, it, it was the, the most horrific day in the calendar mm. uh, for me by far. And so mm. it was always a question. I mean, obviously I would generally just fake being sick. That would be mm. my main thing. Mm. Mm. Um, but, of course, you can't do that every year. They mm. sniff you out. So, And also the other tricky thing is I actually wasn't a bad swimmer. You could put me in a relay. Yeah, and people you could did. float. I was. I was buoyant. Um, but, yeah, it was just this hideous. So, I mean, all I remember, and we were in tiny Speedos, tiny little oh, green Speedos. Talk about the school standard issue. Talk about them. Explain them. Well, yeah, I mean, we we, we had a sort of a dark green shade to all of our, <laughs> to all of our sports attire. Mm. And, yeah, and it was like, you know, I mean, I suppose any competitive swimming has to, at that stage, unless you've got, I mean, fucking hell, I wish the Ian Thorpe swimsuit was available, oh, then that would mate. have changed my attitude. <laughs> Same. I would never have had to worry about koala who's poking out the side of the tiny speedo. This has got to have been hairy with reckless abandon. Didn't, I'm trying yeah, to shave the back were, of my there neck. There was no generosity in the mm. cut of these swimsuits, should but we also just say. the fabric was so thin. Like, it was, it was <laughs> yeah, so... Thin. So yeah. you could clearly see. I mean, I have Speedos now and they have a solid thick double layer over yes. any parts that you don't want too clingy. But back then, no. Oh my God. It was so, you could clearly <laughs> make like out nutsacks. Oh, you, you could tell. Yeah, it was. It was like Adam and Eve time. Like the, the little loin situation with some green lica was kind of thrown at our bodies. It was bad. And I would try to account for it by holding my towel as much as possible. Oh, yeah. Building up to the inevitable moment where you have to discard your towel <laughs> to, take the, to take the walk. Mm, and definitely. then, and then mm. I would just sort of arrange my arms in a kind of a. <laughs> I must have looked like I was doing some sort of weird element of voguing or something to just sort of try and cover as many yeah. parts of your body that you're not comfortable with as yeah. possible. And I do remember once my good friend Megan <laughs> looking at me and saying this, and she it was good that she says this. She goes. You know, by constantly holding your arms like that, you're actually drawing more attention to yourself. <laughs> and she was right. <laughs> so we are painting the picture of immense anxiety and angst from us. Yeah. But for me, it wasn't so bad because I had a really – I had no fat on my body whatsoever. It was amazing I could muster up menstruation, to be honest. <laughs> and so the, the for me with the bathers, it was more – I had little tent boobs – like everyone else had really beautiful kind of round boobs. Mine Not everyone like, else, but certainly there's some memorable ones that we no, all. No, but I felt like a lot of the girls went from flat chested to kind of nice little half cut ping pong balls. Whereas mine were just like pointy witch's tits. <laughs> I just had witch tits from seven till 11. Like great year seven to year 11. It was the worst. And so for me, I was fine body wise. It was the little tents that were pitched on the front of my chest <laughs> under the fucking lycra. But anyway, it was fine. I was okay in the bathers. I was good at swimming. But, of course, on the morning of house swimming, I got my period. And yeah. I had never used a tampon. It didn't really <gasps> know how to use a tampon. Well, when you first get your period, I didn't get my period till year eight. I was 13. So, hang on. You're f- this wasn't your no, first no, no, ever no, no, period. No, 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 like, no. Oh, but you'd use pads up until yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. But you had to go yeah. swimming. Oh, my God, you're in events. Oh, yeah. yeah. This is horrific already. Yeah, because no one no one starts off. You don't start your maiden period void shoving a tampon up your vajush. Oh, my God. Mm. Can you imagine how traumatic that would be? Like, no way. Uh, mm. I was – every girl, most girls – 
I think, well, I don't want to speak out of turn here, is pads for the first few goes. And also mm. when you first get your period, it comes at weird times. You don't know when it's coming. There's no cycle for about a year. And um, so I'm like, I got a pad out and assessed if I could, but it looked like I was wearing like a sporting box, like a, ma- a male box under the very thin lycra. So I couldn't put a pad in the swimsuit. And also the wings poked out on the underside of the swimsuit. So then I had to find a tampon in my house. And the only tampons that were in my house were super ones, like the big maxi ones. Because mm. Jenny's a, you know, obviously Jenny had a heavy flow. <laughs> my mum. If you're listening, hello, she won't Jen. care. She won't care. And so I found myself a super tampon. <laughs> and I didn't realize that super meant. Bigger. I thought it meant like super, like good. Like yeah, really absorbent. absorbent. Gets everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Will not let you down. I didn't know that there were small tampons available. <laughs> like I didn't know that you could get different sizes. So I just thought, okay, yep, yeah, super perfect. So I just chucked it in my kit, chucked it in my bag, in my sports bag, and I wore a pad to school. And we went into the change room, got changed to the bathers, and I um, put the tampon, like I, I took the pad out and I t- put the tampon kind of in, but I just – I didn't know that you're supposed to put it all the way up. So I oh. kind of put it in and it was kind of poking out. It was kind of poking out a little shooting. bit like I had a little penis. So <laughs> this is and then, just awful. I didn't know what to I do. I didn't know that I can go on, but continue. Should I continue? Yeah. Okay. So the string, first of all, I had to figure out what to do with the string. So I like I tuck the string up, like I tuck the string up between my bum cheeks. And then I'm like, it sounds so uncomfortable. Oh, it was, and like it was so uncomfortable. So I kind of, I kind of kept trying to ram it up. <laughs> like so I got it up where I felt it was enough, and then I walked with my towel around me so no one could see my tiny tampon penis. <laughs> and then the time came for my first event. <laughs> And you wouldn't have gone any kind of halfway measure on the kicking no. and you would go full effort. Well, the first event was breaststroke. So the, the action of the breaststroke legs, you can imagine what that does for that area. It doesn't keep it nice and tight. Oh, that's just like flow the water in, push it out. Flow it in, push it out. It's like if you wanted to invent an action to expel. I can't believe I'm telling this story. This has plagued me. For so long. <laughs> this, do you know how many stand-up shows I had the opportunity to tell this and I haven't? I've talked about explosive periods. I've talked about, you know, having sex behind a pub. You needed a solid 25 years <laughs> to pass a full quarter of a century. So I dived in and I reckon about four strokes in, the fucking thing fell out. <sighs> and, were you, and were you a, No, but I could how, feel it. What was your awareness? I, I knew it was... Floating, I knew it was sitting now in the scoopy, in the part yep. of the bathers, right? I knew it yep. was sitting horizontal, no longer vertical. <laughs> it was horizontal. So as I'm swimming, I'm trying to figure out what the fuck I'm going to do. And I decide. Also would have dragged you down a little bit, I yeah. imagine. Would not have been and good for all, your water do, dynamics. Couldn't do a tumble turn. Couldn't do a tumble turn. Because what the fuck? So I decided that I was going to, during the turn, try and manoeuvre it, try and manoeuvre it, figure out some way to get it (laughs) in my hand. Oh, do a quick switch and bait. Yeah. Yeah. 
But as I... But then what would you do with it when you get it in your hand? Oh, just clench my fist. Just breaststroke with a closed fist. <laughs> I didn't think it through. As I was, tr- <laughs> as I was trying to manoeuvre the switch, it fucking fell out. It fell out. <laughs> <laughs> And you wouldn't have wanted to let the race down either. You still would have had to continue. I'm sure you were still keeping pretty good speed. You would have been ahead of the field. I just, I don't know. Oh, my God, I'm so mortified right now. And because it was so full, it was kind of weirdly. So I finished the race, right? I finished the race. Does it sink or does it float? No, if it was floating. And I I knew what it was, but it had mercy for someone. It had gone to the corner of the pool, right in the corner, and I could see it. I could see it. And I, and I power walked over there and I scooped it up in my hands. I just kind of leant over the pool and I, and, I, and I grabbed it and I looked around and I don't know to this day if anyone saw me. And I went back to the stands and I sat with that sopping used tampon in my fist I sat there sh- I'm shaking <laughs> and I, I, I pulled out of the rest of the races for the day. So I was sitting there terrified in a towel with no sanitary equipment on, not mm. sure, like I, I knew I had my period, I had no tampon, no pad in bathers in a towel. So I kind of had to assume this weird standing, holding the tampon, in, used tampon in my hand, standing in a towel, worried that there was going to be blood running down my leg at any moment. <laughs> I think I can categorically state that is in the top five worst days of my life. Yeah. Sounds like you're still suffering PTSD. I am. I can't believe it. The weird thing is I want to know where you're placed in the race. I won. What? I won. Oh, of course you won. And I beat Freya, Freya, who was an amazing breaststroker too. But I think I I was only one because I was compelled to go so fast because I knew I had to go back and pick up the tampon. Pretty good motivation. I knew I had to get and to the Marciano, table. the sports psychologist. And as I'm coming in. up for each breaststroke, up, down, up, I'm waiting to hear if anyone's seen the tampon floating in the pool. <laughs> you waiting to hear the cries of, oh, oh come yeah, on. Tap, shit, lost, tap, on. <laughs> like, because I couldn't hear every time I went underneath. So every time I'm like, I was, I was, th- that, that 25 metres of the 50 metre breaststroke race was just hell on wheels because I didn't know <laughs> where the tampon had ended up, how it was floating, where, if someone had seen it come out of me. And also the horror of you going to the other side of the pool, like you're leaving oh, it to leaving God it, knows what. Leaving it to chance. But I think the sheer power from my frog kick launched it into the corner where it thankfully stayed. And I was able to quickly rush yeah, back. Yeah, and look, you know what? If we're going to concentrate on the silver lining then, the fact that someone, you know, the fact that a Mark Englefield or a Regan Brown didn't come up yeah. from a race with a very full used tampon on their face, you can be thankful for that. Oh, my God. So there you go. There's this show, this Pen15, which is penis, obviously, hilariously. Yeah, in calculator speak. In calculator speak. speak um, has given me... The strength um, to address that traumatic experience out loud. I can't recommend this show enough. It will make you feel everything and you, we need that at the moment. It is beautiful. It is heartfelt. It is filled the Shits Creek void. Thank you very much to Maya and Anna for everything. I can't. We need to end the podcast <laughs> now. By season three, you're running low on stories. <laughs> oh, I have so many.
<laughs> I mean, we haven't even talked about. Oh my god, we I can't even. I, there's so many stories. Um, I have to go now. I can't actually go on. <laughs> I can't. You need to go and heal. I can't. I, You've expelled I can't the even, story. I can't even. Much as you expelled the tampon <gasps> at the time. Hateful. <laughs> How dare you? I don't even know if this is going to make it out. I might edit this out of the podcast. <laughs> I'll see how I'm feeling. <laughs> you got to, not this, you got to leave it in. We'll see. We'll see. And see Bye. you later. Bye-bye. <laughs> Goodbye. This is Emsolation. Okay, I'm, I've obviously decided to leave that story in, the story that you've just heard, of the pool and the floating tampon, because here we are. Um... I genuinely have to go and have a little rest. <laughs> I hope it didn't trigger you, but I just feel like this show, Pen15, obviously you all have to go and watch it now. Like I'm demanding you do it. We need to have, we need to be able to discuss this. When we do live events, Michael and I need to be able to seamlessly discuss with you guys episodes of Pen15. Just go and do it. You won't be sorry. But, you know, freaks stick together, guys. If you were awkward in high school, I see you and you see me and here we are. It's all okay. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back Thursday with another episode. And Dilemma Doctors, back again. Back, back, back again. On Friday, we'll be helping Janie. Uh, her 14-year-old wants to have the very low-key party and she's a theme queen and she has other ideas. So that'll be on Friday's Dilemma Doctors. If you have a dilemma you'd like Michael and I to attack for you, email hello at mrussiano.com. It can be as petty as you want. The pettier the better. All right, chat later in the week, guys. Look after yourselves. Uh, Remember to properly insert your tampons and we'll speak soon. Bye. Bye.